they're pressing the issue further and it is bringing it across i'm hoping a dialogue of this needs to change yes that yeah that, that we are that are the african-americans that others within our communities are not being heard and it is a systemic problem what is that problem and how do we fix it um and my hope is that on a national level here that our um, politicians our leaders will step up and to speak about this in a wise way people need to know that they're being heard Good afternoon and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. I have a good friend of mine, Lisa Griffin, president of the Griffin Media Management. She is in the D.C. area. And I was thinking about all that's taking place right now across our country. And we've seen the news reports. Lisa's background is in journalism. She's a former reporter for U.S. News and World Report. She has a very successful media management communications agency, services a lot of different uh, non Profits, businesses, uh, ministries. I mean, Lisa, you've done it all. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It is uh, it's an honor to be here. You were dying to get back to D.C. You're from Memphis originally. <laughs> you had an opportunity to go back to the D.C. area. I know your heart is there. Yes, I uh, lived in Washington, D.C. for about 12 years. My second or one of my first weeks in the city was 9 11. And I uh, moved away for a little bit uh, to Austin, Texas, and Memphis, Tennessee, but I'm now back. And I'm very, very honored to be here. I love this city for all that it is and stands for. So uh, a lot has happened in my time here. Lisa, right now, the wrongful death of George Floyd has struck a nerve in America, causing us really to examine the way we treat our neighbor. And I use the term neighbor because Jesus told us to love our neighbor. That doesn't mean our neighbor thinks like you. He has to look like you. But it means we love all people. George Floyd's death has caused us to look at racial prejudice, discrimination. There's only one true race in God's eyes, not a skin color, but the human race. And we all have red blood flowing through our veins. The scripture tells us, though, in Jeremiah 17, 9, that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? As one human race, we have this sinful nature that's hostile to God, and we need a Savior. That's why Jesus Christ is the only one that can save us and restore us to God and with one another. And I'm reminded of that verse, Lisa, in 2 Corinthians 5:17 that says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And therefore, we are Christ ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And I know that's a lot there to, to start off the show today, but I really want to lay the foundation is we are followers of Christ. We march to the, the beat of a different drummer. And so we want to uh, speak into this issue through the biblical worldview and again, reconciling people to God, to know God. Mm -hmm. There's a lot to talk about here. I know you you said you couldn't sleep last night, I believe. It was uh, 
two nights ago. Last night I finally crashed. But it's uh, this weekend was difficult just emotionally, uh, which is new for me uh, to see. But seeing uh, I've been a journalist. Depends on when you count. I started when I was 15 years old, but have worked in the journalism field for, you know, almost 20 years as a professional journalist, and then now, you know, as a media consultant, putting uh, business owners, CEOs, others uh, into the news to help encourage the dialogue of, you know, what is going on in our communities and our country, and, and as you know, Byron, working on Capitol Hill, uh, being a part of politics for a short period of time. Also, there's just a lot to take in right now. Um, And the injustice of what is happening to many in this country uh, in so many different places is just wears on you, on your heart and your thinking, and watching all of this unfold, um, of course, across the country, also in Memphis, Tennessee, also in Washington, D.C., it's just uh, multifaceted. So it's, there's just a lot of uh, thinking. I've been reaching out to um, not only those within my church who are reaching out to me, but also emailing, calling those that I know who maybe I haven't talked to them in a long time, some I have, uh, who are in journalism, who may be on the ground right now asking how they are, letting them know that I and others are praying for them. Um it's just been a lot to take in. National news journalists being treated unfairly. Some have been attacked. They're trying to do their jobs. That's one of the things about being in America. We have the opportunity to have the, the freedom of press. The fact that you and I are having this conversation right now, <laughs> you know, and airing it on the radio is a freedom, a privilege that we have. And, and as a journalist, it's a responsibility, right, to be able to report yeah. on the news. Yes, I am learning more uh, during this past week of what maybe my friends, church friends, associates who are not in journalism do and do not know about the law regarding it. Some very kind people are asking me, as a journalist, what I felt, you know, X or Y happened that uh, they just do not know or understand the the, um, rights and freedoms that are, are questioning. Well, what can the police do? What can a journalist do in, while reporting a story? And I must say for my journalist friends who are out there that they, um, looking at the, you know, the, the, the cameras as they continue to roll while uh, the journalists are covering these, uh, the protests that turn often into riots, that they are, in many cases, being attacked by the police. It does appear, as uh, you can see, that they are, you know, being being attacked. And that is a very disturbing thing to see. Um, we know already that Mr. Floyd and others have suffered great injustices to add on to that, um, that the media are being attacked is, is not good and um, feeds into the problem of mistrust for the police and other things. It seems like, Lisa, chaotic, obviously. It looks like it's anarchy. I've heard people use that term. I know there's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of attention that's, that's yeah. flaring right now. And we want to be respectful, too, to those people who are hurting, especially 
the George Floyd family and our prayers yeah. out to them. And we have and are praying for this family and others, too, that have similar cases. There needs to be space for the protest. Another freedom that we have to be in the United States is to be able to protest. Unfortunately, it's turning into rioting. We've had some very peaceful protests here. My appreciation to the leaders of the protests uh, here in the Memphis area, they have done a wonderful job making their statements, doing it in a peaceful way without there being a lot of violence, looting in light of this. In many of these cities, we're seeing horrible, even police officers killed. How can we um, navigate through this time? There's so many things involved here, and I want to take a step back and explain to those who don't know you or I um, as well. You know, we are fellow reporters, fellow journalists. Byron, I know that when we talked a month or two ago when COVID had first hit, you know, you you as a journalist have uh, the ability, you know, we didn't even know back then if it was just COVID related that as a journalist, you know, you, you have a, a the ability right now that if anything happens, you're able to you know, freely move about the city to report. If something bad happens, you yeah. have the a press pass to be able to report on this. So we have there's so many things going on right now, right? So we're both journalists. Um, we both are seeing those within our profession being attacked by the police. We also have, we are both Christians, so we have the perspective of seeing in our local communities, in our local government, to our national government, um, a lot of discussion and conflict over what our government should be doing during this time with COVID and then on top of these racial issues that are being brought forth. Then on top of that, you know, I have worked as a police reporter uh, years ago. My first job outside of college was working as a local journalist in Rome, Georgia, and my first beat was the police beat. So every day I uh, would go to the jail and then to both the city and the county police stations, the fire department, and then um, state troopers' office. Every single day, I worked with these men. It was mostly men, men and women, in uniform, and uh, and reported on what they did and what they saw. And uh, and then going from local to national, I was a national journalist. And then you know, God called me into for a short period of time working with associations uh, with the White House in a non-political position, and then also on Capitol Hill. So I am seeing COVID from, and I also own a small business. So seeing it from a Christian's perspective, a small business owner who has gone through the PPP loan process, as a person who has worked on Capitol Hill, there is just a lot going on here. What I, I think that we need to say as a Christian community here, because this is a Christian show, is that we need to make it very clear. I'm taking this from a, a journalist point of view who now helps people to talk in our communities about these issues. Yes. I want to encourage the Christians who are listening to this show to become a part of the dialogue in the community. You know, we mourn, first of all, mourn the death of George Floyd. We, we mourn him. I hope and believe we need to start there. The, you know, his death was unjust. His death was murder. Those officers are being charged. We see that coming across our news ticker today. Um, the other officers were being charged and the, the charges are increasing. We know that there are police officers who daily give their lives to protect people. We also know that 
we see that there are things that are going on that are wrong. We also know that journalists are giving their lives every day to report the news. And there are injustices going on throughout the country. My encouragement to the Christian community would be to be a mouthpiece to your community, um, to take this opportunity to, of course, consider in your heart your own actions within where you are, um, and, and but to people are hurting, and our media need to be able to see you. The community needs to be able to see you. I know we have a lot of ministers on the, our, your show, Byron, to interject into the narrative that what is happening is wrong or that all are created in the image of God and that God is not white, God is not black, he is, he created us all, and all needs to be treated with kindness and justice. And to do this in a peaceful leadership way as best you can. And so I encourage those who are leaders within the community there, within Memphis or elsewhere, to please be a mouthpiece. I encourage you to speak up. I, I do this on behalf of CEOs and others and train them on how to talk to the media. And the media want to hear from you. They want to put Christian people and to interview you. They are just as curious as others to understand, well, what does the Christian community say about this? We saw President Trump holding a Bible in front of a, of a church the other day, and people don't understand, well, what does this mean? We don't know from the president. He did not say, but what does this mean to you? What do you think? Uh, it is a perfect time to interject. I totally agree with you, Lisa. I think we need to have this dialogue. And I also think mm-hmm. that there might be somebody who has a different opinion than you. And instead mm-hmm. of building a wall up, be willing to be the first one to build a bridge to that person. Reach out to that person. Maybe have coffee. Get to know them. Possibly build a relationship. You, you might be of total different views. But is there a way as a human you can come on a conversational level of respect and understanding to some degree, even though you might be totally polar opposite, you know, in what you believe? Yes. And, you know, I would say, too, as a person there who used to, I was an editor there for, um, for a period of time for a small, when I was um, in my 20s, for a small paper there in Memphis where I would go to the Germantown City Council's office and to the, you know, and to the school board, the Memphis City School Board meetings and cover those for the newspaper when I was an editor. And there is a wonderful opportunity, I would say, for the religious leaders or our community leaders within your local community there or in other places that your listeners may be, not just in Memphis, but in other places, where, where you can call or talk to your city council, your city mayor, your city officials to, you know, to be there, to be a part of this, this dialogue, um, say, you know, hi, I'm a religious leader within our community. This is concerning to me. How can I help you to enter into a dialogue? Can I or my church be a part of this process? I have a feeling that, uh, you know, I don't know the dynamics at the moment of specific members within, you know, specific cities. But I do know that they welcome this, and this is a perfect time to step up and to say, I want to talk about this, to listen and to learn. Just to say that alone tells my African-American brothers and sisters and others 
these people, quote unquote, want to listen to me because a lot of people, and I have seen it myself, staying quiet gives the appearance of not caring. And to have talks about race, to have talks about rioting, to have talks about peaceful protests, these things, your community wants to hear from you. Washington, among other cities, of course, has seen in the last few days a lot of, of course, protests, and some have been turning to looting, defacing monuments there in D.C. More than 300 arrests were made Monday night in D.C. Military helicopters, vehicles, and personnel began to descend in the streets of Washington. Law enforcement officers cleared Lafayette Park with tear gas, rubber bullets, shields, and horses. To safeguard the White House, the Secret Service said it was working with the federal and local law enforcement agencies, including the National Guard, D.C. Metropolitan Police Department, for protection. It's so sad that we have come to this point, Lisa. Well, and I have to say, I don't know all of those things. Um, you live just outside the D.C. area, yeah, but you're right I live there. outside of D.C., so I have the unfortunate um, luxury, I call it. Uh, I hate it. That's one reason why I couldn't sleep this weekend, because I'm outside of the, the part of downtown that they are talking about. And so I can't tell you for sure, you know, what is actually happening. There's been a debate on who is actually down there and, and what is actually going on, so I can't say I hadn't heard about the, you know, some of the things that you had mentioned there. It is very terrible. We have to understand as a Christian, you know, as a, as a church community, people, we know that looting is wrong. It's not going to accomplish, the, it is not going to accomplish the goal of what people are upset about. It won't. It'll just add to the problem. But we need to understand, to me anyway, as a Christian, I want to understand the underlying current, the underlying current of why are you that angry? I want to understand why do you feel so upset about this issue? I I think that I know, but I want to hear more and to open up that door of talking about it. And so, of course, there are, um, you know, there in some places across the country and Memphis or others, from what I understand, the protests often split and the the people who want to be peaceful are going in one direction or they're leaving the city early after, you know, after the curfew and those that want to inflict harm are staying. And so, you know, we've, we've seen that throughout the, from my understanding, throughout patterns of of protest. And so it it is bad. Um, but I will say that I'm not saying the looting, but the protests themselves, the protests themselves are accomplishing, um, they're pressing the issue further, and it is bringing it across. I'm hoping a dialogue of this needs to change. Yes, that yeah, that that we are that are the African Americans that others within our communities are not being heard, and it is a systemic problem. What is that problem, and how do we fix it? Um, and my hope is that on a national level here, that our um, politicians, our leaders, will step up and to speak about this in a wise way. People need to know that they're being heard. People need to know they're being heard. I think that's so important, too. But, you know, we we obviously not only need to be heard, but knowing there's going to be some steps, some very specific, precise steps moving forward, you know, not just talking. That people, I think people are, are tired of just politicians throwing words around. Don't you? Oh, yes. And and as as far as being in the middle of it, in the thick of it, often either on a journalist point of view, journalist side, or actually working in politics, yes, 
Um, words are shallow. They can be. They can also be incredibly powerful, as we have seen. They can go both ways. It's the actions behind your words that make a difference. So you can say, and we can, uh, as a church, as often, unfortunately, uh, and where I have been in my life, a white church can say, we are sorry. We are devastated that Mr. Floyd passed away in the way that he did. It was wrong. It was murder, even if we say that. Uh, that's not enough. That's not enough. And so people have a right to be angry because it is not enough. What are you going to do about it is the question. In my in my mind, and most likely what is going on with the people who are out here, I'm watching it right now as we're talking on television and seeing people just being mad, and they're talking. They're trying to talk to the televisions and other things to say, this is why I'm upset. What are you going to do about it? Yes. Well, you know, of course, there was the British oppression back in the founding of this country, uh, the father of the American Revolution, Samuel Adams, of course, cousins of John Adams. Uh, he incited the Boston Tea Party, of course, one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence, and also called for the first Continental Congress. Uh, of course, uh, Samuel Adams uh, had many great quotes, but one that I read recently said, It does not take a majority to prevail, but rather an irate, tireless minority keen on setting brush fires of freedom in the minds of men. Yeah, I uh, think for today, the minority of people that are upset needs to become the majority. We're talking not the people who are trying to inflict harm on each other right now. That is not the majority of people right now, as, as we know. Yes. The majority of the country right now is not an anarchy. They are protesting, and they're trying to figure this out. Yes. We, we need to become that majority. It cannot be anymore where um, an African-American issue or even within the African-American community is, is only these people that are upset. It cannot be in other races, racial issues, American Indian, others, that it is a minority issue. It needs to become a human issue. Human issue. I love that, Lisa. You know, again, Samuel Adams was a strong believer in his anti-slavery morals. Many people don't know this. There were founding fathers that we look at George Washington, we look at Thomas Jefferson, who've all been slave owners. But there were those like the Adams family members, Samuel and John, who were adamantly against slavery, spoke out against it. It was his belief that every black or white man should be free from any higher powers on earth that were keeping them from being treated like human beings. If the white people of this time period continued to take the liberties away from black people, they were not being morally correct by taking the rights from slaves. They were following their immoral thoughts. That was Samuel Adams. The concept of um, that uh, we are all created in God's image, regardless of race, and that that needs to be reflected in our dialogue and in the yes. treatment of others, and that that needs to be not only within our within our communities, on the streets, as people are talking right now during these protests, but also in our laws and the way we treat each other. Um, I would like to say that, you know, I, I want to encourage my Christian brothers and sisters, in your own life right now, with, with what we're going through, look at your church, look at your personal community, uh, you know, your life, where you work, where you live, where you go to school, where you even go to buy the groceries, where your church is, who your people are there within your community there, and other places, and look at it. Does it reflect 
the city that God has called you to serve in, does it look like the racial makeup of, of other things? Does your church members, do your church members, look like your community? And if they do, why? And if they don't, why? Ask yourself that question. I wondered since I was a kid, why does my school look all white? Why does my church look all white? Or we have, you know, or, or you know, I have a few brothers and sisters of my Christian brothers and sisters that are of different races. Why? When, you know, in Memphis, we have a lot of uh, white and Caucasian and African-American brothers and sisters. What is that about? And ask yourself. And, and so I would really challenge those within my hometown there in Memphis where Martin Luther King was assassinated. Um, what, what's going on? You know, what, what is it within your community that looks a certain way? And just ask yourself, I don't have the answer as to knowing why, but to understand and to talk about it. Um, yes. One of the, another thing, to uh, share stories about your thoughts on race or how you may have been treated within a racial context. We're doing that here at McLean Bible Church, which is called MBCMCC. Um, you can go online there and see there are a lot of videos that our church is um, doing. Was your pastor's David Platt, by the way? Yes. Prior to Mr. Floyd's death, we um, he started to uh, talk about racial issues, and as a church. Our church is very, um, we live in a, just a very diverse city. Uh, Lisa, we're going to have to wrap up and say yes. goodbye oh, now, sorry. but I, I, I agree with you. The church pulpit needs to be a place to address yeah. this issue, encourage our pastor friends to mm-hmm. prayerfully address it, connect with those who don't look like you, love your neighbor, what mm-hmm. Jesus said for us to do. Lisa, it's always great. We always have a great time together, but the time is always short. If folks yeah. want to know more information about the Griffin Media Management, what should they do? You can go to griffinmediamanagement.com, griffin, G-R-I-F-F-I-N, mediamanagement.com. And you can uh, email me through the site and to learn more about uh, what is going on with, uh, within, uh, within Washington, D.C. and within my business. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much for letting me talk. It has just been an honor. I appreciate it. Friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by today. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.